Pentecost, we're going to talk about uh, the, the, the way in which the life of God comes into the life of people and how that has profound influence on the world. That is, uh, that is why we gather week in and week out. It is also Memorial Day weekend, and so I thought it might be appropriate for us to just have a moment of recognition here, a moment of silence as we think about the people who have lost their lives in the pursuit of higher, the highest of ideals and the way in which we're impacted by that. So I just invite you to a moment of silence and you might think of a name or you might recognize just in a general sense uh, the sacrifices that have been made as we join in God's presence and in the presence of one another. God, in moments like these, we sense the depth, the profoundness of our lives, what it means to give them, to give them up or to give them away. And as we gather, we recognize those who have given their lives, giving thanks and giving honor where it is due. And we offer our lives in the same sense, in the same recognition of how profound each one of our lives is to you and to this world. We pray that our lives might be living reminders of your grace poured out for all people. And we pray that as we leave this place, that we will have a clearer sense of what it means to be a distinctive witness to Jesus Christ. For we pray it in his name. Amen. People have used over the, 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 the years different ways of describing how faith works. And um, s- some folks describe our faith as a series of rooms that we live in. And I thought we might try that today, kind of give you a, maybe a way of thinking about where you are in faith and what it means to have faith and then kind of what it's all about. So uh, let's kind of walk through some rooms together and uh, see if this doesn't kind of help you or work work. If it doesn't, then I will never preach the sermon again, but I think it could be helpful. The first room uh, of your faith is the foyer. Now, there might have been a day, especially in the South, where this could have been the front porch, you know, sort of the welcoming part of your house, you know, the part where there's the light that we leave on for people to come, Uh, the, the front door, the foyer, the welcoming place of your home. Either way, this is the room where we uh, change our mind about God in, in, the faith, in faith terms. This is where we discover that God himself is extending his welcome to us. That God isn't out to get you. God is out to get you. To know you. To love you. To pour his life into you. To discover that the same God who spoke the world into existence is speaking your name. We change our understanding about how God works and it begins to reorder everything else because if we don't understand God, then we don't understand anything else. But God welcomes us. Just as Jesus came to welcome, to extend the love of God into the, to a broken world, as he came to take on our broken humanity and then replace guilt and shame with extravagant grace we begin to reorder our lives. In the foyer, we discover the life that was in the Father, Son, and Spirit is now being offered 
to me. The next room is the living room. So you kind of got to get into this somehow. The next room is the living room. You notice in that picture, there's not a TV, which some of you would not recognize that's not a living room because it doesn't have a TV, but it does have a fireplace. And I thought of, you know, know, how welcoming that can be, how cozy the living room can be. If uh, the foyer is where we start to change our mind about God, then living room is actually where we start to change our mind about each other, where we learn to sit in the life of God now in community and have conversations and grow in our depth of love for each other. Not, life is no longer just about going it alone. It is about us together making our own way. No, it is making our way together. It is not having my own way. It is having God's way in community. Life is now about living out the generosity and the graciousness of God in real, ordinary human relationships. Your faith needs a place where it can sit in the living room and learn to love people, to feel the love of God through people, to have people see you and know you, and to discover that you're not alone, and we all need this. Perhaps more than ever, we're, we're, we're discovering people are profoundly lonely. We're so individualistic that we have taken that to the extreme, and we find ourselves alone. We need places where we can tell our stories and get real, as we say, not have to hide. I found this poem that helps me understand this. Uh, it is about uh, two folks who, are, who need to learn how to uh, open up their lives, and I think it's all of us. She had blue skin, and so did he. He kept it, he kept it head, hid, and so did she. They searched for blue their whole life through, then passed right by and never knew. What a profound understanding of the lives that we will live if we don't change our mind about community. How alone and lonely and isolated we will, we will be. It is in telling our stories and taking risks that we deepen our interactions with one another. And this maybe more than anything is what our world needs. The shallowness and the transactional nature of our relationships needs to change. And we've got to find a way for God to get in there. That's the living room. Final room is the kitchen. Uh, Pastor Joe, I love Pastor Joe has a saying, uh, when he hears a good sermon, uh, once we heard a bishop speak at annual conference, he said, man, he got up in my kitchen. I love that expression because the kitchen is the heart of the house. In the kitchen, having changed our minds about God and community, we begin to change our minds about what is really important. In the kitchen, we share life with God and others in more intimate ways. We get real. We open up. We talk about things we never thought we would talk about. We deal with heartache. We deal with failure. We deal with hopes and dreams Here in the kitchen, our hungry souls are fed. Our values change. Our outlook changes. Our priorities change. We change through the deepening of our relationship with God and with one another. You might think about where you fit in uh, in in those rooms. I I like this framework because it kind of gives you a spatial way of understanding your faith, you know, where it can kind of be nebulous, kind of out there. Like, which room are you living in? Where do you find yourself in this season of life? And, you know, it can be different things as we do, kind of go, go in different spaces throughout the house. So also in our faith, we find ourselves in different places at different times in different seasons. 
I like the, the rooms analogy because it makes faith about life with God and with people. That's really, you know, the, the summary of all of it. And it speaks to the deepening of those relationships as we go, the desire that our relationship with God and our relationship with one another would not be static, but would be developmental. Which room are you in? Helps us see that and have some perspective on it. With the goal that we're moving into deeper communion with God and with one another. I love how John Wesley says this, describes how God is continually breathing, as it were, upon our souls and our souls breathing in God. God descending into our heart and prayer and praise ascending to heaven. And by this exchange between God and you, this fellowship between Father, Son, and Spirit as a kind of spiritual respiration, breathing in and breathing out, the life of God in your soul is sustained. And as a child, you grow up into the fullness that is Christ. The goal of, our, of the room that you're in is the fullness that is Christ for you. Now, what we've been talking about is what makes us distinctive. And it, when it comes down to it, this is it. That faith really has these two things going on at the same time. God pouring into us and pouring out of us. We've been talking about what is it that we have to give to the world around us, to our own relationships, our own families, and into our work. What is it that we bring to the equation that is different? And what I like most about that rooms analogy is it helps us see what it is. That is in the end of the day, nothing less than the life of God poured into us until it begins to overflow out of us, that we would be blessed to be a blessing. So for the last six weeks, we've been talking about how we have that kind of life and how influence is essential to our faith, that it is a part of the equation Nobody lights a lamp and then hides it under a bushel basket, Jesus said. No, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But the implication is that God has lit a fire in us so that there's something to shine. That God would light our souls on fire so that it might shine light into other people's lives. It is both things. And so as we kind of think about those rooms, I want to suggest today that there's actually a fourth room to your faith. Uh, and that fourth room is just as important as the other three and isn't possible without those, those other three. In fact, all of us, I think, need to go through that deepening process. But there is an aspect of faith that then kicks us out of the house. Uh, into the, out into the world. When I was growing up, um, we were not really allowed to play inside a lot. Now, my mom's here today, and I didn't really think about that when I planned to talk about her. Hi, mom. Um, uh, but uh, but we, were, we were encouraged to play outside a lot. In fact, I remember several times uh, in the summer where we would try to come in the house, and she would say, no, get on out, go, get out. And I don't know if it was because uh, with three boys, she just needed some peace and quiet. Or if um, we all, I mean, my brothers made a lot of messes. I didn't, but they, they were kind of messy. So if it was just like, you know, the only way to have some, some, some order in the house. 
uh, I think she often would reframe it as we needed to expand our minds. We needed to go and have free play and just be imaginative and explore the woods. I, I, don't, I don't know what it was. But very often, we would, we would try to get in the house and she would say, go on, get out of here. Get outside. Now, you can't get kicked out of your house, you know, in that sense, without having a home, uh, without having the security and the acceptance and the love that you find in, the, in that kind of house. But having been raised a certain way, we all sort of get kicked out into the world. And I think this is what Jesus is telling the disciples in Matthew 28. Having taken them through the rooms, he now launches them into the world. He kicks them out. Get outside. Get on out of here. Now, can you imagine what it would have been like to be one of those disciples? To have been through those rooms with Jesus himself, literally in person, to have been invited into the foyer, to be welcomed into the life of God through the words of Christ saying, come, follow me. Or Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. To hear in the incarnation of Christ through the words of Jesus of Nazareth, the invitation of God. Can you imagine the living room conversations that those disciples had? with Jesus. You know, maybe not a fireplace, but certainly a campfire. Walking on the road with Jesus. In, in the, the laughter and in the, you know, just regularness of life, can you imagine the, the jokes they told and the life that they shared? Can you imagine being in the living room with Jesus and letting that reshape your relationship with God and then with the, one another? And you think about how many times the disciples really had to work that out. They were arguing over who's the best and they trying to figure out who they were in those living room conversations. And then Jesus got up in their kitchen more than once, didn't he? There is this element of challenge and deepening that is a part of their story. They messed it up and Jesus picked them back up. Peter's walking on water and looks down and sees the waves and Jesus pulls him back up. I heard someone tell that story recently, and they said, you know, we sometimes tell the story of Peter walking on the water, and when he sinks, we think that G in the text it says, in the scriptures it says, uh, that Jesus says, oh my gosh, Peter, you, you just, what a loser, and he kind of like pulls him up out of the water. That's not how it is told. As soon as Peter begins to fail, Jesus is there to pull him up as he sinks. Imagine letting Jesus do that for you. The, 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 the thick and thin fear and failure where it gets super real encounter with Jesus. None of those 12 was ever the same. And then here at the end of the gospel in Matthew's final words, we find Jesus telling them to get on outside because they're different now. All authority, all ability in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Jesus sends them out to baptize others as we've done this morning to embody the, the death and then life and then the fullness of life that we are invited into through the sacrament of baptism, we are drawn into the story of God's mighty acts in salvation in, in history. 
He tells them to observe everything he's taught them. And that word observe really means to hold fast. It means to, to, to embody the teachings of Jesus in our actions with one another, to make this somehow real in every time and every place. Get on out of here so that this isn't just a thing that we had, but now is a thing that others can have. And then he says, the most important part, surely I will be with you always, even to the very end. This is about the ongoing presence of Jesus. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus said. You are the light of the world. There is a way in which I have blessed you so that you can be a blessing to others. So each of us has that story. And as we come to communion today, we realize that communion is the very thing that God wants to have with us. It is also the thing he wants us to have with others. And so in any prescription of what the world needs, if it doesn't include somehow this whole uh, fullness of life that we've been given in God, lived out with one another, it falls short. What does it mean to be blessed, to be a blessing? It means to have the life of God so much in us that becomes part of our life with one another. Most of our prescriptions of how to influence the world will somehow try to keep us from having to do this deeper thing that God has decided to do with us. And so to be a Christian means to, to work toward communion with God and then with each other. So where I'm thinking about the places where you are being asked to exert influence. And of course, it's, you know, in your closest relationships, you think about your family, think about your maybe your spouse or your kids. What God is calling us to is for the fullness of life that he's given us to be the life that we share in our homes and to tend to God's life in each of the rooms so that the overflow of that is not perfection. It's not necessarily well-rounded children. It is communion in our homes through thick and thin, failure and, and struggle, you know, in all of those dynamics of our relationships. Where is God inviting you to, to be blessed so that you can be a blessing? It, it includes your work. And many of us will find, will, will struggle. And tr tr truth be told, even in the church, as, as staff or as pastors, it is, it is a challenge to keep the connection between what God has done in us and what we're doing with you all. In our daily interactions with one another at work, we're there to do our job, but we're there to do something more, but to bless others somehow, to be blessed, to, to be a blessing. What we know is that when the church has been the church, it has been when ordinary people like us have discovered this is their true place in the world, that we become a movement of, of those blessed to be a blessing that the inputs in the system are more positive than negative, and that it becomes this dynamic thing that God does in a community of people. So as I close the series and as close the message today and as we come to communion, let me just share, just kind of break this down to something simple. I think in us, God simply wants to do two things. God wants to bless you beyond anything that you can fathom. And that a good part of what we do is simply tend the life of God in us. So when we say we pray or we read the scripture or we go to church, 
lest we not forget, all that is is simply trying to open up our lives so that God can pour his life into us. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing, but the order is important. First you are blessed, then you are a blessing. It can't work the other way. Meaning, we can't give what we don't have, and without Christ, we don't really know what love is, and we'll give what we end up giving is a watered-down version of, of tolerance or liking one another. We don't know what healing is until we have been healed. We don't know what forgiveness is until we have been forgiven. We don't know the fullness of life until God just works us through the rooms, inviting us in, sitting at, at the couch with us, and then pulling us into the kitchen, getting up in our kitchen, and then kicking us out into the world. And somehow in that process, we discover what love really is because we've been loved through the challenges of doing it ourselves. And, and you know, as I struggle to live that out, the thing that always just keeps coming back to me is, gosh, somehow Jesus decided it was worth it. We don't know the fullness of life until it is given to us. As then we live it out, we embody it, and so much so that it becomes a blessing to others. So we're blessed, and then we're blessing. And then the second thing that I would say is that that always happens in community. From the very beginning, as we've said throughout this series, God has chosen a people in the world. Community is not optional. It is the missing link in society. The thing that we do here together, and the dynamic life that we have, through the ordinariness of our life, as God tries to bless us, we are the ones who become a blessing to others. Just to be clear, when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, he should have been Southern because what he would have said is y'all. Y'all are the light of the world. So that his very presence is part of our life together so that we come in and then we go out and the fullness of life that God alone has. I heard this in my devotion earlier this week. God's mission to bring liberation to the world has always been accomplished through people who are distinguished not because they obey God's precepts, but because they carry his presence. God isn't looking for people to work for him. He seeks out those to walk alongside with him. And so as we come to communion today, I want to invite you to think about how you've been blessed. We're going to reflect for a second and then how you're being called this week to be a blessing. So let's go to God in prayer and reflect together. God, we trust that you have called us all the way back to Abraham and the people of Israel to be blessed, to be a blessing. And through the story of Jesus Christ, who opened that blessing to the world through the spirit which came into the lives of people who gave witness to the fullness of life that you were pouring out on the world. And then through the church, through the ages, when it has discovered and rediscovered communion with you and communion with one another, we reflect on how we are blessed when it would be easy for us to consider what we lack, we focus instead on your love being poured out us and to us in practical ways, in real ways. Every single moment, and we trust that you're at work, and so we ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and faith to believe and courage to follow. 
we reflect on how you are blessing us through the provisions of our lives, through the basic needs of life, so that we might have the energy to serve you. God, we reflect on how you're calling us to be a blessing this week, to rethink how we do our lives and our relationships, to rethink about our work, how you are at work in us wherever we are. We think of those relationships and those places we will find ourselves in the week ahead. And pray that we might be a blessing to those we encounter. That our presence in a daily way will be a living reminder of your presence in the world. So as we come to communion today, we pray pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup, that they might be for us an experience of the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood, that by your spirit you might make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast together at his heavenly banquet. Through your son Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. I'll invite those who are coming to serve communion forward as I invite our musicians forward as well. And extend the invitation of Jesus himself to you. Uh, We'll serve communion today uh, by intention. So as you come, you'll take a piece of the bread and uh, it'll be handed to you. So you'll come with your hands outstretched and then um, the the bread will be placed in your hands. And then you'll take it and dip it into the cup and then receive it. We'll have stations uh, basically at each section. So you'll come out the right side of your area, of one of the, the, the three sections, and then return uh, on the, the left side, your left. And then we will have folks here who will um, be anointing you with oil if you'd like extra prayer over something specific or simply to hear God's claim on your life in some way for something uh, that is going on in you for healing or for wholeness in some way. And uh, we also have offering baskets as you come. So if you'll come and bring your offerings, then those will be your um, way to in one other way to participate in what God is doing. All right, as we uh, prepare, let's pray again. God, we thank you for your spirit poured out on us in these moments. We pray that we might encounter you here, that your living presence might meet us in the bread and the cup. We come asking you to bless us so that we might be a blessing to the whole world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.